Welcome to the St. Paul's Episcopal Church podcast. Here, we will share our thoughts, voices, and prayers. St. Paul's is a progressive community of faith with ancient roots. You can find out more about St. Paul's at their website, stpauls.dioup.org, or find us on Facebook. If you would like to share your words on this podcast, send us a message. May God's peace be with you today and always. In today's podcast, Charlie West reflects on this Sunday's readings for the third of Advent, Gaudette, or the Rose Candle Sunday, and he shares a prayer. You can read along in Charlie's blog, Words Twice a Week, at wordstwiceaweek.blogspot.com. This Sunday's readings are Psalm 126, Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 24, and John 1, verses 6 through 8 and 9 through 28. Words twice a week, 1210. Words twice a week on Thursday is a set of preliminary thoughts on some of the lectionary texts for the next Sunday. They're presented in a bulleted list, and I use this sound to represent each bullet point and the start of a new thought. This probably works best if you have looked over the lessons or at least have them at hand to scan as we go along. The lessons I'll be looking at this Sunday are Isaiah 61, 1 to 4, 8 to 11, Psalm 126, and John 1, 6 to 8, and 19 to 28. And just to note that there are some links embedded in the printed um, version of this. Um, I will mention those as we go along, but to do them, you'd have to actually go to the uh, website at wordstwiceaweek.blogspot.com to um, follow them. So this is kind of cool. Um, there's a link on the website to a short video set um, set to James Taylor singing Some Children See Him and Alfred Burt Carroll. And from there, you can also get to share Kenny Loggins, Andy Williams, and some other folks each singing it as well. Fun for us at St. Paul's. When the choir sang it last year, we were in some pretty august company. Who knew? Well, maybe you did. It was news to me. And Sunday is the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete, if you pronounce it that way, the rose candle. It's about joy. Um, Psalm 126, bringing in the sheaves. Verse 1, when God brought us back to Zion, or when God restored our fortunes, or apparently one possible translation is when God set the fate of Zion. We often associate this psalm as a memory 
of coming back from the Babylonian exile, but there are other possible themes. It's one of the Psalms of Ascent, possibly the people saying this as they were going up to Jerusalem for an annual pilgrimage. Contemporary English version, CEV, calls these Psalms songs for worship. So the Psalm ends up with planting and harvesting images and perhaps was part of an agricultural festival. The psalm remembers the good time when God brought us back. So we are remembering that God brought us to a good time and also recognizing that we need to be brought back again. What good time or golden age do we remember back to? What would it mean for God to bring us to a time like that or bring a time like that to us? Is that different? Verse 2 refers to what other nations said about us. What are other nations saying about us today? What are other faith traditions saying about us? What are we saying about others? Verse 5 asks for God's help. We cried, now let us celebrate. And verse 6 affirms faithfully, we cried, but we will celebrate. In some cultures, especially those that live very close to the land, planting time is sometimes a time of hunger and weeping because the choice must be made whether to eat the seed or to plant it. It takes a good amount of faith to plant, to throw away the only food you have in hopes of it growing and providing food for the next year. The soil, the rains, the insect pests, it's a tight balance. Isaiah 61, 1 to 4, 8 to 11. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, or the CEV translate, the Spirit of the Lord God has taken control of me. That sounds more like letting the remote operator take control of your computer. I have known a number of people who I felt were speaking God's word, but I don't know if I have ever known one whom I felt God had taken control of. Certainly don't feel like God has ever taken control of me. Have you? And whenever the lectionary leaves out verses, I always go right to them. Looking at verses 5 to 7, they will hire foreigners to take care of their sheep and their vineyards and clean their homes. No, I added that last bit. The treasures of the nations will belong to them, ripe for exploiting. They were terribly insulted, horribly mistreated. What does that resonate with for you today? So maybe the lectionary is suggesting those are things we should shy away from. Verses 1 to 4 are the words of the speaker, the servant, the prophet, and the message is to tell the oppressed the good news. So this is bedrock, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. This is a message for those who are brokenhearted, who are suffering under a load of debt, who are captives or slaves or caught in the repercussions of years of racism, who are homeless and hungry, who are hopeless. One of the little blurbs I read each day, note the difference between helpless and hopeless. So anyway, careful now, which group do we, I, you belong to? Marna was suggesting last night that we think about which Christmas story character we resonate with this year. I have to admit that to some extent I resonate with the animals in the stable. 
I'm pretty comfortable. I'm not sure I want to move aside and let a baby be born in my space, especially not a capital B baby. So perhaps I need to be troubled with Christmas this year more than comforted. <laughs> I'm a little more comfortable with troubled than with afflicted when it applies to me. So this is not really a message for Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg or any of the other centibillionaires. There was a comment about how Bill Gates is trying to give his money away, but it just keeps coming in faster than he can. Does this suggest something wrong with the system? And note that it is the oppressed and suffering who will be the trees of justice and rebuilders of the cities, groups who try and help those with needs often stress the importance of having clients, some of those who they are trying to help, on their board or staff. The tree of justice. When we were in Luzerne last year, we heard about the linden tree, I think it was, where people dealt with legal issues. They believed that persons had to tell the truth if they were standing under the linden tree. Um, there's a link on the website to a brief piece about that and a neat picture. Verses 5 to 9 are God speaking, and God loves justice and hates robbery and injustice. I suppose God likes other stuff too, praise, kindness, humility, etc. But here the focus is on justice. God will make a covenant with them. Wait a minute, didn't God already do that? Is this something beyond the ten words for life? God's saving power and justice are the clothes I wear brings up the uncomfortable thoughts of the emperor's new clothes. Do I need to look in a different mirror? Verse 11, the Lord will bring justice. So what is our job? How do we fit in? Or more importantly, are we helping or hindering? The year of the Lord's favor. This could be looking forward to a sabbatical or jubilee year, especially if one of the issues is those who are suffering under a load of debt. Okay, this has gotten kind of heavy, and it's supposed to be the joy Sunday. Here's a prayer. God of Advent waiting, we are troubled by robbery and unrighteousness, even our own. Help us find you in our troubled times. Help us find the joy in flowers and wreaths, olive oil lotions, carols, and songs of praise, that we might be strengthened to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you through your world. Moving on, John 1, 6 to 8, and 19 to 28. Kind of like 20 questions here. Are you? No. Are you? No. Or maybe that icebreaker game where you pin famous people's names on guests' backs. Am I? No. Am I? Nope. John. Baptist, forerunner, messenger, and now witness. John was not the light, but he came to witness to the light. One writer notes that John knew who he wasn't and who he was. He wasn't the Messiah. He was the witness. As a church, are we clear about what we are? John baptizes with water always and only here so that people will see Jesus. There is no baptism for repentance here. And even he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit doesn't come along for five more verses. 
Here among you is one you do not know. That's kind of a haunting quote, isn't it? Who might we overlook on Sunday morning? Who might we be missing among the asylum seekers turned back at our borders? Who might we be overlooking among the homeless and the hungry? Then Fred Craddock notes that some have made a life of looking for the Messiah, rather preferring that to accepting the responsibility that finding a Messiah brings. Through this gospel, people continually do not fully recognize Jesus. Nicodemus, Samaritan woman, high priest, Pilate, even the disciples. How do we think of Jesus? Can we acknowledge that our knowledge is partial and imperfect, that others might have a different understanding that might be as valid as ours or even more so? That's it for today. Thanks. Bye.